Happy Mother's Day, Parkview. Mother's Day. <laughs> I, I just like doing that. And also with you is, you know, it just always works, but not really, right? Happy Mother's Day to you moms. Welcome to everybody else. We're glad you're here. Guys, I just freaked you out because you forgot it was Mother's Day. Um, welcome to you. And don't go to Jewel for your last minute Mother's Day card because I did that last night and this is all they had left. It's uh, in Spanish, if you can't see. <laughs> Says, con Corina mamá, por ser tan espacial. And uh, I'm pretty sure that means, dear Denise, I think you're an awesome mom. I love you very much. <laughs> she, uh, she got Rosetta Stone last year for Christmas, but she hasn't gotten that far, so I think I'm safe. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, second grade teacher wrote this. Uh, little girl Erica in her class showed up uh, for show and tell with a pillow under her shirt um, to demonstrate her baby brother's arrival. I had a little picture of. She said, so first mom and dad grew him as a symbol of their love, and then dad put a seed in my mom's stomach, and uh, Luke grew there, and he ate for nine months through an umbrella cord. <laughs> Teacher says, so she's standing there with like her hands on the stomach, you know, doing this impression of her mom, and she said, I wish I had already started videoing by this time. The kids are watching. Little Erica says, about two Saturdays ago, my mom starts going, oh, oh, oh. And she said, Erica's just walking around doing a duck walk like this going, oh, oh. I mean, she had the impression really, really down. My dad called the middle wife, she said. She delivers babies, but she doesn't have a sign on the car like the Domino's man. I mean, seems like a good idea, doesn't it? Middle <laughs> They got mom to lie down in the bed like this. So then Erica lies down on the floor with her legs spread apart, you know, laying there, you know, just, just, just like it was happening. And then, pop, my mom had this bag of water that she kept in there in case he got thirsty. <laughs> and it just blew up and spilled all over the place. And she's like, just, just doing the motions, right? Then the middle wife starts saying, push, push, and breathe, breathe. And they started counting, but they didn't even get to 10. And all of a sudden, out came my brother. He was covered in yucky stuff they said was from my mom's play center. <laughs> so, so there must be a lot of toys in there. And when he got out, the middle wife spanked him for crawling up in there in the first place. <laughs> that was my brother's birthday. Happy Mother's Day, you guys. I, I know there's a lot of mixed emotions with Mother's Day. I get that for all of us. Some of you moms are, uh, you know, it hasn't been a good year for you, whatever. Maybe you lost a kid or, 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 or things aren't good. And some of you have lost moms this year. And I just know, I know some, some, some people want to, some ladies want to avoid Mother's Day because it's hard. Maybe you wanted to be a mom and it hasn't happened yet. I, I don't want to make this day harder for you than I have to. But on the other hand, I, I want to recognize our moms. I feel like 364 days out of the year, we kind of take moms for granted. And, and one day, we ought to show them some respect. I, I was reading a poll that 86% of moms said they, they didn't feel like they got enough respect for what they did. 70% of them said being a mom was more work than they ever thought they were going to, to, to have to do. And 92% um, and said it was much more rewarding than they ever thought it would be. So there's all those mixed emotions. Well, I've invited a couple of moms to help me with this thing today because it's always weird for me to preach on Mother's Day. I'm not, you know, I'm not a mom, and, and I wanted you to hear from a couple. But here's what we're supposed to do for the rest of us, okay? Her children arise and call her blessed. This is Proverbs 31. Her husband also um, praises her with a Spanish 
card from Jewel. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gates. That, that's what we're supposed to do. We're spo- the rest of us that aren't moms are supposed to honor them. And, uh, and, and moms, we're going to honor you. And so what I thought I'd do today is look at the most blessed mom in history, m- m- the Mother Mary, and let's look at her life. But I wanted to walk you through the life because there's, there's, a, there's the joys and the, there's obviously the, the sorrows you know, not just Christmas that we talk about having a baby in a barn, but, but all the way to the cross where Mary is there watching her son die for our sins. Um, there's all of those emotions, and we hear about Mary all through the life of motherhood. So we're going to look at the stages of motherhood along the way. And I know that we have single moms here. Here's the important thing for you to know if you're a single mom. Um, scholars believe that Joseph died somewhere. I mean, all we know of Joseph is up to age 12. That's it. After that, we don't hear from him again. So somewhere probably in, in, in Jesus' teens, maybe early teens, Joseph dies. One of the reasons that, that Jesus doesn't start his earthly ministry until age 30, which was really an older time to, to be doing it in Jesus' day, was because Jesus was the guy who was trying to take care of his mom, who was a single mom. And, and Matthew 13 tells us that Mary had at least six other children, and, and so Jesus was like the oldest one in the family, so he was helping to keep everything together, and it's a lot of pressure on a mom, and, I, and we want to recognize that. There's a lot of pressure on you, a lot of good and a lot of bad, and, and, and so even if you're a single mom, the same thing is true for you. Our encouragement is uh, from the book of Galatians, let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. By the time we get to the end of what we talk about today, you're going to see the, the beautiful harvest of Mary's life, obviously, as, as Jesus, you know, becomes who she thinks he was supposed to and raises from the dead and starts the church, and Mary is involved in all of that. But there's a lot of mixed emotions along the way. So what I've done is I've invited uh, my wife, who's one of the most awesome uh, women and moms I have ever known, to come, and I'll introduce her in a little bit, to do some of the, the, the kid raising and the releasing things that we've been doing in our life. And then I invited my daughter, um, really just so I could get my grandson to come and visit me, but I invited my daughter to come and talk. She's only been a mom for six and a half months, but she's got that early perspective for those of you who, ladies who haven't become moms yet to kind of understand a little bit of the crazy emotions of that. So would you welcome out Rachel and, and hopefully uh, a special guest, my little special guest Charlie too. How about that, huh? Very cozy, Papa. Did Daddy put that Auburn thing in your mouth again? Say hi, everybody. Hi, I'm here. <laughs> Sometimes I feel that way too, Charlie. Love you. Love you. Here, take that. All right. You might need it. Good morning, everybody. How are you? <laughs> um, couple of funny things that I need to share with you. Dad told me that I needed to share them. So you know that Ash is from England. There are some language discrepancies sometimes. So we spend a lot of time on the phone with FaceTime and Skype so that Charlie can see the grandparents and he's getting really used to it. Um, So we were Skyping with my mother-in-law the other day and we were playing what I thought was peekaboo. And she would go off the screen and pop back on and he would flash her a big smile. And so, um, so she was playing this, she goes off the screen and says, where's grandmom? And she pops back on and says, peepo. And I said, what? <laughs> Peepo, don't you play Peepo? And I said, no, we play Peekaboo. Peepo is very weird. Um, so that was the first one. 
<laughs> people. Apparently, it's a British thing. The second one is that I was playing the hokey pokey with Charlie, and he really likes that we, uh, you know, put the hand in and hand down, and we dance around. You do the hokey pokey, and you turn yourself around. And Ash was listening the first time we did this, and he said, can you repeat that? So I sang it again, and, and he kind of smiled to himself, and he said, you mean the hokey cokey? I said, no, I mean the hokey pokey. What planet are you from? So we turned to the settler of all useless arguments and we Googled it. And if Wikipedia is to be trusted, hokey pokey is indeed the original, but it was written by a Canadian. So if you need to remove that from your household repertoire, I understand. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not here to do any teaching at all because I am a new mom, um, and in literature and in, in movies, usually if there's a hero, there's a foil character that sort of makes the hero look better. I am like the foil character that should make all of the rest of you moms feel much better about your mothering. Um, anytime that you would like to feel better about your own mothering, please just look at any of my Facebook posts. I'm starting to feel really guilty about them. 95% um, of the time, I promise I am really enjoying Charlie. He's super fun. He's a really happy baby. Um, and then that 5% of the time that he is not, I mean, he's just being a baby. And, and I am feeling like I'm going to, you know, lose my mind. Posting on Facebook seems to diffuse just enough of my tension that I don't have to go in the kitchen and smash any of our dishes. <laughs> so I post on Facebook and apparently I don't have enough pride to brag about all the good times. I only post about the bad times. And so I'm really sorry that I'm such a whiner. It's a little bit humiliating. Um, so what, I, what I'm finding to be true in these you know, short six and a half months that I have been in this gig so far is that everything that everyone told me about motherhood is exactly true. And that is that in motherhood, you experience both the lowest lows and the highest highs. Um, and already with only an infant in the house, that is true. Um, you know, on, on the one hand, the exhaustion, the diapers, the indecipherable cries, even in pregnancy, the waiting, the aches and pains, the sleeplessness. And then on the other hand, the sense of expectancy and privilege. I mean, even in the times when you're aching and whining, you, you still feel that sense of privilege that, you know, I didn't deserve to have a child and for some reason God felt that he should be on this planet and I get to be his mom. And so when I look at Mary's story, I like that I see some of those extremes and her too. Um, if you'll remember in the, the beginning of that story, she says, um, the text says that she was greatly troubled at the angel's greeting and wondered what kind of greeting this must be. So she, she goes from greatly troubled to six months into her pregnancy, she goes to visit Elizabeth and she launches into what we now call the Magnificat, and she says, my soul glorifies the Lord. So Mary goes from greatly troubled to my soul glorifies the Lord, and the kid isn't even born yet. That is so true. That's so apt. I mean, you experience just waves of emotion, extremes on both ends. And so what I'm finding, I hope this doesn't sound trite, um, I don't really know how to say it any other way, but it really is true that I'm experiencing God's grace on a new level in both the lows and the highs. So in those moments of exhaustion, when I, am, I really am, you know, struggling to find any joy in my tired bones, you know, that level of tired where you just feel like you can't even function, um, his grace proves to be sufficient. 
um, you know, I experienced his grace through the friends who would come over and hold Charlie so I could take a shower. Remember in those newborn days? Um, friends who would make meals for us. Um, and then on the other side of that, I experienced God's grace in the sense of his favor. I feel God's favor when I, when I look at my kid and he smiles at me. Those of you that have older kids, you remember the first time that your kid smiled at you? You wait so long for that. When it finally happens, it's so special. Now he's getting to that age where he's, he's starting to show preference for me when he's hungry or he's tired or he's hurting. Um, I am the one person that brings him comfort. That is such a privilege. I feel God's favor, his goodwill in those moments. And so uh, I w- I'd like to share something with you. Um, I know that you've heard Tim talk about uh, we have some really good friends who adopted recently. This is my younger sister's in-laws, um, really dear friend of mine from high school. She and her husband adopted recently, and they've allowed us to share the video with you of the first moment when they met their son. Um, even those of you who are, who are not mothers, maybe uh, you know, aunts, uncles, close friends, even grandparents, you know that everything changes in your life when a new person comes into your world. Uh, and I want to focus on the grace of that for a minute, the joy of that. Um, this is a really special video. Maybe get your, get your tissues ready. Um, let's take a look. Julie, whatever you are, Going to put you down now for the rest of your life. I hope you're okay with this. And she's not joking, <laughs> you know. It's a good moment, isn't it? And we wanted to show that because it's, whether it's adoption, whether it's, uh, you know, your own kid, that moment of getting to see, I mean, imagine you're Mary, you know, we, we do this every Christmas, but imagine you're Mary, it's a, it doesn't matter if it's a barn and there's cows around, there's that moment. And the shepherds show up and the wise men show up and they say, hey, there's been supernatural stuff happened. This is a confirmation that you're supposed to be a mom. But along the way, uh, they go dedicate the child um, Simeon says, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and it will be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And he says to Mary, a sword will pierce your soul also. There's a part of motherhood where we just got to recognize there's the good and the bad. And we don't have a whole lot of information about Jesus growing up, but, but because my wife and I have been through this situation of raising our kids and now releasing our kids, the youngest one's getting ready to graduate from college, I wanted her to come out and share with you a little bit of the emotions of that and relate that to the story of Mary so that you can see, and here's the point, you guys, we're talking about grace, the case for grace, grace for moms. Um, you can see the good and the bad and know that, that Mary needed grace, that moms need grace, we all need grace, 
And uh, so Denise is going to come and talk you through that. Will you welcome my wife? Well, I'm going to talk a bit about the practical sides of uh, what happened with Mary. Um, when Mary left the temple that day after Simeon had prophesied, she had so many mixed emotions. I mean, he had said her child was special, but then he said a sword will pierce your own soul. So she has so many mixed emotions about it. But when you love a child, there will be sword piercing in your heart and soul. When they're rejected, it'll pierce your heart. When they're hurt, or when they're crushed or disappointed, or when they didn't turn out how you had hoped, or they are rebelling against you, or doing things that are hurting themselves, you're, it's just so piercing to your heart as you even think about those things when it comes to loving a child. Mary is the greatest example of a mom who depended on her faith um, just to see her through those sword-piercing times. God's grace was for Mary, too. We only have one incident in the Bible that talks about Jesus growing up years, and Tim had mentioned that um, there wasn't much along the way, but it was when they went to the... Uh, Jerusalem for the Passover so it was a big trip for them and they lost him he was 12 and they lost Jesus now um, most of us have lost a kid at one time or another along the way if we'll admit it um, but how would you feel if you lost God's son <laughs> you should feel a lot better about yourself then huh so when they found him they found him in the temple and Luke 2 says, when his parents saw him, they were astonished because they'd been looking for three days. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Okay, I would not have said it like that. <laughs> and he said, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And then Jesus went home with them obediently. The key phrase is, is that they did not understand. I mean, if you don't understand your kids today, join the club. I many times didn't understand my kids and Mary and Joseph right there didn't understand Jesus. Well, then all of a sudden, we are releasing our children. And it feels like all of a sudden, when their babies some days drag by, but then all of a sudden, they're grown. I mean, moms who have their children's grown, do you wonder where did the time go sometimes? I can't get over that I'm at this stage. But our jobs, parents, is to prepare our children to be healthy, healthy, physically, spiritually, emotionally, independent adults so that they can live on their own. So if you have a seventh grader, did you know you only have five more years to prepare them for life? That's perspective, isn't it? We need to take our jobs very seriously, parents. 
Well, Jesus was 30 when he left home, and Tim explained some of those circumstances. But I love the scene from The Passion that shows Jesus and Mary's relationship. Let's watch. Yeshua. Yeshua. <laughs> Hein? I love that. Well, at the age of Jesus left home, and hopefully your kids will get out of the house before then. But Jesus then began his public ministry with the baptism by John the Baptist. And shortly after that, just a few weeks later, he was at a wedding reception in Cana. And we got to go to the Holy Land a couple of years ago with some of, from the Parkview King. And we uh, got to be in Cana and have our vows renewed. But here's a picture of Becca and I just sitting there in front of, yes, tourism is alive and well in Cana too with the fake pots of wine. And uh, just got to see where this miracle <clears throat> took place. So they're at this wedding, and here's what happens. Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why would you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, when we read this, we think, wow, we would have said it, woman? But no, it was, it was very respectful in that day and that culture. So Mary had probably learned to rely on Joseph quite a, uh, not Joseph, excuse me, he had probably passed away, but Jesus quite a bit in those years. And so she turned to him and urged him to be assertive and to do something to help these desperate people in their situation because she was probably uh, a relative because she was acting as a hostess in this situation. And uh, Jesus performed his miracle, his first miracle, turning water into wine. And we know it was a miracle because if you would have gone into Walmart, you would have seen this. <laughs> well, 
I am sure Mary was pleased. She was saying, that's my boy. My boy did this. He saved the day. Remember, she had likely been pondering his whole life purpose, his, his entire life in her heart since birth. Luke had recorded in Luke 2, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And you know she had been keeping a watchful eye on this little boy throughout his life. But it is interesting that just a few months later that Mary came to take Jesus home when he was doing ministry. Um, he had become so popular that he didn't even take time to stop and eat. He was around crowds all the time, and the religious leaders were actually verbally attacking her son, and people were saying he was out of his mind. So Mary was probably confused, and she wanted to come to his rescue like a mother's protective instinct does. I know many of you have been there. And like a good Jewish mother, she was going to go. So Mark 3 says, Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brothers? he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. I mean, this was basically Jesus saying, family, I love you, but I have to live my own life. And it's about doing God's will. And don't you know, I need to be about my father's business. And this may be an issue for some of you today that you're dealing with just like Jesus did in this situation. Well, at this time, Mary and Jesus' brothers, they didn't get it. If they did believe he was the Messiah, they sure didn't see it playing out like this. I mean, he was supposed to be popular and rally the troops, and no mom wants to see her child fail, and that's what it appeared Jesus was doing. So you can imagine the sword piercing that was going on in her heart and soul during this time that was mentioned earlier. It didn't just happen at the cross. It happened all the way through Jesus' life as she watched. And there is a sense in which that is true for all parents, isn't it? That sword piercing. On one hand, Mary was eager for Jesus to assert himself and help people. And on the other hand, she wanted to protect him from pressure and danger and sought just to bring him home during that time. She was struggling with releasing him. For those, for those of you who haven't done it, releasing your kids is very, very hard to do. It is mourning. It's mourning this passage of time that will never quite be the same again. And the senior year of high school is really bittersweet, and some of you can attest to that. With every one of your kids, but especially with your youngest, everything is the last. The last concert, the last game, the last you name it. 
And parents who do this healthy, they will mourn throughout the whole senior year. I edit video, and uh, for each girl's graduation party, high school graduation party, I would put together footage and pictures for their party. And as I was going through everything, I bawled like a baby. Some of you have done this as well with photos. But it is so healthy and therapeutic for me to process what is happening and to mourn the passing of the stage of life so that I could move on with my own life. Now, I can't believe it, our, our youngest daughter, Becca, who is in California, she graduates next week from college. And when Tim and I were in California last month, we had to say goodbye to her one night and we're going back to our hotel because we were flying out early the next morning. And it was so tough that night. We were both feeling so blue and so sad because we realized it was our last college visit. The next one was graduation. And so we are still going through many moments of releasing ourselves. But it's a vital and healthy stage for her. We're being selfish moms. If we just keep them home and just try to keep things how they've always been, it's not good for our kids. They need to learn to be thriving, independent adults. And in each stage of motherhood, I have really had to trust in God more and more. And releasing them is no exception. So, on a brighter note, we have so much fun with our kids. We really do, our adult kids. They're our favorite people to be with. Um, when we get together, we are not responsible for them or their bills or their laundry or their jobs. I mean, we're done with that part of life. It's pretty great, I gotta tell you. We did our best. We did the best that we could. And now we get to enjoy their friendship. It is so awesome when they are adults. Now, it's definitely a mixed emotion as you go through this, moms, but it is God's plan for us to release our children. Thanks. And now we get the house to ourselves. Um, the, get the idea. There's the good and the bad. There, there's, the, there's, the, there's the ups and the downs. There's grace needed all the way through. That's really what I wanted you to hear. When you're a young mom, there's grace needed. When you're an older mom and, and you have to release them and raise them and release them and all those things, there, there's grace needed. And then as moms, um, our example is still Jesus. The only other interaction that we see, personal interaction, um, happens all the way down when we get down to near the cross of Jesus stood his mother at the cross. Jesus' mom is there. Listen to this. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, who was that? John, the guy writing that. Remember, me, the, the, the favorite one. He said to his mother, dear woman, here's your son. And to the disciple, here's your mom. And from that time, the disciple took her into his home. 
Mary was at the cross. Why, why is that important? Because the grace that you need as a mom is there all the way through, and Mary was at the cross because she still needed grace. But there comes a time, young people, there comes a time, people, period, and a lot of you in my age category are getting this, when all of a sudden the roles are reversed. And it's just interesting to me that all of a sudden we have to become the parents, right? Irma Bombeck wrote this thing about how she knew she had become the parent and her mom had become the child when one day she went to step on the brakes and the car was going to stop pretty fast and she reached out her arm instinctively to hold her mom back like her mom had done for her, you know, a, a thousand times. Interesting to me, though, I've read this passage a bunch of times, a hundred times. I never thought about the fact that Jesus is doing it from the cross. As we honor mothers on Mother's Day, as we do this, we realize that at some point we're going to get to the place where we need to take care of them and it's not going to be easy. Some of you are, are in that category where you're the older parents and you're being taken care of. It's not easy. My wife and I are blessed to have both of our, our parents on both sides still alive. They've both been married over 55 years. They are in their late 70s and early 80s, and they're, they're still getting around. Her mom's got Parkinson's, has to use a walker, but she's a feisty lady, and, you know, she's getting it, she's getting it done. But we just recently had to move them from a, their big family home with the, you know, the, the acreage to mow and all that stuff into a, a smaller house and try to figure out you know, what to do with all the treasures and all those things. And it's starting for us. It's interesting to me that Jesus is doing it from the cross. That's how, how important it is. And I know that someday my girls are going to be taking care of their mom because I'm not going to be around because I still eat bacon. So uh, <laughs> I won't be here. But they're going to do really, really well. I'm sure it's going to go great. And um, it just reiterates to me how important it is that we honor our moms on this day. All the way through. In the beginning, we, uh, you know, we have all the, the joys of, of, of watching them grow and, and being born and that joy that happens. And then we have the, the joys and the mixed emotions of raising them and then releasing them. And then, then comes role reversal. It all works through the whole thing. So whatever stage you're in, Mother's Day is for you. A woman named Angela Guffey wrote uh, a beautiful piece about a tribute to moms. And then we're going to show you a video that we made of some of our moms and their kids interacting, asking moms what they've learned from being moms and then their kids, what they thought of it. Angela Duffy wrote this. She said, this is for all the mothers who froze their bottoms off on metal bleachers at soccer games on Friday nights instead of watching them from their cars. So that when their kids asked, did you see my goal, they could say, of course, I wouldn't have missed it for the world, and really meant it. This is for all the mothers who sat up all night with sick toddlers in their arms, wiping up chunks of wieners and cherry soda that suddenly reappeared, <laughs> saying, it's okay, honey, mommy's here. This is for all the mothers in wartime who fled the night and couldn't find their kids. This is for all the mothers who gave birth to babies they will never see, and the mothers who took those babies and made homes for them. This is for the mothers of victims of shootings, horrible tragedy, and the mothers of the murderers that caused them. For the mothers of the survivors and the mothers who sat in front of their TVs in horror, hugging their child who came home that day. This is for the mothers who run carpools and make cookies and sew Halloween costumes, and for the mothers who go and buy them. <laughs> this is for reading Goodnight Moon twice a night for a year, and then reading it again just one more time, Mom. This is for all the mothers who mess up and yell at their kids in the grocery store. 
This is for all their mothers who taught their daughters to tie their shoelaces before they started school, and for all the mothers who opted for Velcro instead. <laughs> this is for all the moms who stay home and long for just that one adult conversation during the day. And this is for the moms who show up at work with spit up in their hair and diapers in their purse. Moms, we love you. As we do communion, we spent five weeks, we're going to close out the service with a song that kind of closes out this whole theme of grace. The idea is that we always need grace. Everybody needs grace. We've talked about the prodigal running far away. We've talked about Peter being one of the apostles and still needing the grace of God. And today, it's Mary. It doesn't matter what stage you're in. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life. Everybody who lived needed the grace of Jesus. And here's why I know that. The beautiful thing, my favorite part of the story of Mary is not the beginning and it's not even the empty tomb where, where she's at also and gets to see it. It's in Acts 1.14 when, when, when the early church is gathered and Jesus is going to go back to heaven and everything is going to start with the early church. It says they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and even his brothers. Mary witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. She was at the beginning of the early church. It's that important. It was important to Mary. My point is, even Mary, even the Blessed Mother, needed a Savior. And if Mary, the most godly mother, the most godly woman in the world that has ever lived, needed a Savior, then how much more do you and do I? Well, we understand that all of us need grace. And when we take communion, what we do is we celebrate together the fact that, that Jesus came down and he gave his life for us. He gave us his, his body and his blood to cover over all of our sin. Even Mary's. Even mine. Even yours. It doesn't matter how far away you think you are. Everybody is welcome at the cross. Everybody is welcome at the beginning of the early church. 2,000 years later, we celebrate it together, the grace of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the grace that you've given us. Um, thank you for a few weeks where we could just think about the fact that none of us are perfect and that we all have a need for grace. And many of us need it more than other people in this room and Honestly, I think if we were all thinking about it, we'd all put our moms more in the saintly category than in the sinner category. But nevertheless, even your mom needed you to die for her sins so that she could be forever with you and with her heavenly father in, in heaven. And we, we pray for that every week here, Lord, and we do communion every week. If there are people in this room who feel like they've been too far away from you to be possibly ever reunited in heaven, reunited in the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Will you help them to know that this is the church for them? Help them to know that, that we are the place for them because we are just a bunch of people who are sinners saved by grace. And that's who everybody in the Bible was. And Lord, for the moms who are here I know they wrestle with the mixed emotions of Mother's Day, some of them maybe more than others, but would you help them to understand that, that you give them grace, that you love them, and that their families give them grace, and whenever they give themselves a hard time and feel bad because they didn't do things the way they thought they wanted to, will you help them to know 
We love them. And we're just so grateful for them and what they've done in our lives. Lord, thank you for the grace that covers over everything. And as we come and take communion together here right now, will you bless us? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.